Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Shine, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us, Dana Mantilla. Dana, thank you for joining today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm not sure about the celebrity part of it, but, <laughs> but glad to be here. <laughs> well, we appreciate the time that you're taking out to kind of chat with our listeners. So, so Dana, I guess my first question to you, um, you know, I follow you on LinkedIn. I mean, super impressive, right? 3 million uh, views on LinkedIn on some of your videos that you've had for really non-technical audiences to learn about cybersecurity. You know, your YouTube channel has over 750,000 views, um, really focusing on the MSSPs, discussing the new DOD uh, cybersecurity requirements, you know, which we'll discuss later on, the CMMC and so much, so on and so forth. My question to you is, how did girl from Connecticut end up being the most marketed cybersecurity individual, perhaps uh, uh, in the U.S.? I guess everybody has their crazy story. So I came into this space through the identity theft protection world, right? So we came up with a product because we didn't have an identity theft protection product that we could then offer to our clients. Everything was direct to consumer at the time. So this is going back to about 2018. And so developed the product and then realized how much education needed to be out there in the identity theft world. People really weren't on top of things and we're still not really on top of things. Um, so started coming up with a plan to do some videos for LinkedIn. And I was really intimidated to do, to do this because this is a very serious topic, right? And I had no technical knowledge. No, I, so I thought, you know, they're going to laugh me off the stage here. Sure. So I finally said, I'm going to do it. So I started doing some of my videos and, you know, no love, no nothing. And then finally, uh, I did a video on synthetic identity and uh, a couple of people private messaged me saying, wow, that was really interesting, you know, because I used my daughter's American Girl dolls to kind of, you know, emulate the, the kids. And uh, so that was it. So then, you know, then COVID came, then I started doing um, some online training to, for non-technical employees on what they should and shouldn't be doing, because unfortunately, they're the ones that are causing a lot of the problems, not intentionally, but accidentally. And then people started asking me about, you know, are you going to get involved with CMMC? Are you going to? And I thought, I don't even know what CMMC is. So I Googled it and found out it's the Department of Defense's new cybersecurity regulation that they're rolling out over the next five years. And I'm currently on the Northeast CMMC Coalition, um, which is a group of people trying to help start educating kids on how they can get jobs in this field and then grow into that and stay. Well, I'm in Connecticut, stay in Connecticut or stay in New England. So we're trying to create some roadmaps for that there while this is all, you know, getting developed. Um, so that's kind of a, a, how I got into this little world. Sure. So, so when you think about it now that you're here, I mean, you're dealing with all different types of organizations, right? I mean, what do you see the weaknesses are um, when we're speaking to some of these cyber folks in terms of marketing themselves, right? I mean, they always say, Mark, it comes from referrals or it comes from my network. Well, past that, what does that really mean? And what can cybersecurity folks do in order to help grow their network? So over on my YouTube channel, I interview a lot of MSBs, MSSPs, uh, talking about specific aspects of CMMC or just general cybersecurity. And it has a lot of views over there, right? So people started saying, oh, can we do a sponsorship? Can we create a commercial? So we came up with a variety of options. And after we did the commercials, did the promotional videos, they said, well, what else can you do to help us? 
So we came up with a whole program that helps MSSPs literally look at their whole entire online presence from their you know, number of Google reviews they have to what they're doing on LinkedIn and give them a plan, a little roadmap on how they can start to shine online. Because my thought process with cybersecurity is it's still not being embraced by the private sector, just starting to be really held feet to the fire with the um, government side of things. So this is the time to really build their online presence over the next three to five years. And then when everybody is forced to embrace cybersecurity, they're going to be the first ones that are going to be seen as an authority and they're going to be able to gain more clients. So, so, so I guess it, it, does the same rules apply for people that are in IT versus cybersecurity? Because we hear these words and we hear them often ch- used interchangeably. Can you give us maybe a little bit more specifics around what IT should be doing and what cybersecurity should be doing? Sure. Well, I definitely think that uh, both IT and cybersecurity companies should be speaking to their clients about what they do and they do not cover. Because I've always talked about the service level agreement. Because a lot of clients think IT just means it covers everything, covers cybersecurity, covers anything wrong with the computer, anything happens, we're calling the IT people and they're going to be responsible for this. And that's a really slippery slope to, to be in. And to really kind of cover yourself, I would definitely recommend that everybody go over their agreement, make sure that there is covered in there what is going to be their responsibility, what is not going to be their responsibility, and make sure you have a conversation with your client. Because a lot of laymen definitely think that it's the exact same thing. And it's clearly not the same thing. There's a lot of IT people that are now getting into cybersecurity and uh, as a completely different avenue. And then there's some companies that strictly just focus on cybersecurity and then leave the, you know, the IT stuff to, you know, let's say an MSP. Sure. So, so, so as businesses continue to throw more and more money you're seeing at cybersecurity, why does the problem keep getting worse? You would think it would be getting better with all these billions of dollars not being spent. Well, I think because people are not embracing it. Small and medium-sized businesses do not think their data is valuable enough that anyone's really going to take the time to go and steal it. And what I always say to them is, okay, maybe it's not that valuable to them, but what about if you didn't have access to it? What about if your client information was out there all over the place? How would your clients feel about that kind of thing? So until everybody really starts saying, you know, okay, I got to get my act together. And then also, in addition, realizing that you can't just, you know, put a little you know, plug and play thing in place and it's gonna fix it. We need to start talking to the employees because the, the, the identity, I mean, the cyber criminals know that it's so much easier to trick an employee than it is to hack into a computer system. And so they, that's what they do. And if you don't tell somebody, a new employee that no one from HR or IT is gonna call you asking for your login credentials, they don't know that. You know, that's what it is. So they just think get tricked into clicking on something. People in the accounting office get tricked into wiring money places. They shouldn't be wiring money. And unless we talk to people about it, we really can't blame them for it. So so essentially what you're saying is the employee training piece is absolutely critical. And this isn't or is this something that can be solved through technology or some type of software SaaS product? No, and some of it can be handled with technology, but a lot of it needs to be handled with just speaking to the employees, putting a training program together that's not once a year where they want to poke their eyes out because it's so boring. You know, that's why, like, for example, I try to keep a little bit of humor into mine because that way I keep people's attention. My videos are very short, very focused. And if I can, I add a little bit of humor into them um, and hoping that people are going to remember what the point is that I was talking about in there. Sure. So so, so I guess in some of your videos or when you're working with some of these uh, non-technical folks, Um, When you're talking about kind of the incident itself, are you helping these organizations plan for it or are you helping them have the tabletop exercise or you're just saying, guys, you know, gals, when this thing happens, you know, best of luck. How does that all kind of work? 
Well, that's that's one thing too. It's you know this is all the ounce of uh, prevention is worth the pound of cure. Is having some conversations, and even if they're just the most basic conversations within an organization, because if you don't tell your employees what to do when there's either a suspected cyber attack or there is a cyber attack, everyone is left to their own demise. What they think that they're going to do is going to be right. So, if you don't tell somebody, hey, don't go on social media and announce to the world I'm at work or we're getting hacked, we don't want that. We don't want somebody on Twitter letting all of his followers know that hey, guess what's happening here. Because um, lots of bad things can happen. I mean, an example of one was a bank that thought that they were having some kind of a cybersecurity situation. And uh, one of the tellers went on social media and said just that, said, hey, we're at work right now. I think we're getting hacked. Innocently, right? Not trying to think of anything, do anything malicious. But what wound up happening was it started spreading viral throughout the community and people started showing up at the bank wanting to withdraw their money. And it turned out that there was not even an issue. When they, when they looked in it, they, they thought there was, but there wasn't an issue. So you created all that panic and now you got all these people that want to take their money out of the bank and, you, and there was no reason for any of that stuff. So we need to tell our you know, employees how they should be reacting to it. We also need to know who do we call if we have cyber liability insurance? Do we know what the phone number is? Is it stored in the computer and then we have to we can't look it up i mean there's lots of little things that, that if we had a meeting and everyone knew okay i'm going to talk to this person these people are going to talk to this person and somebody's going to be in charge of communicating through to the to the employees and somebody's going to be in charge of knowing who they need to reach out to at the uh, cyber liability insurance because they probably have very specific guidelines that you need to follow if you do have a breach so so I, I would even think about, you know, one of the conversations we often have with our insurers is they say, Mark, you know, why do we need to do certain IT? Why do we need to put certain controls in place if we're just going to go get cyber insurance? And, you know, now, you know, three or four years ago, the man had not needed as many controls. But now, I mean, there's 12 controls that Marsh has identified that are almost critical to procuring cyber insurance. And if you don't do those, chances are you may not be able to apply for a program and or get the terms and conditions that you really need. So, you know, the, the steps and the controls that you're certainly speaking about and the MSSPs that you're probably working with on your on your YouTube channel, I'm sure talking about things like MFA and EDR, uh, privileged access management systems, uh, hardening techniques. I mean, these are all basic functions that we talk about on a daily basis. And now the carriers are actually starting to uh, uh, strongly suggest and or demand at a certain point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so, so very much agree with you, Dana. Yeah, um, you're totally right. I mean, a couple of years ago, for cyber liability insurance, they didn't check anything. Or just fill out the form, you'll be covered no matter what. And now, obviously, with all these ransomware attacks, which are only getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, more and more and more, it's you know the the, the liability and the premiums are going up because of that. Um, Another thing too is that you know some of the requirements that the insurance company is mandating, you know, like you said, MFA and things like that. This is stuff that we all really should be doing, and we can't just hang our hat and say, "Well, we have we have you know insurance for that, so we don't really need to pay attention to it." Because, like you said, some of them now aren't even allowing to give you a quote if you're not following some of the things. What do you see the biggest or one of the biggest challenges when you're dealing with the non-technical people? Um, is it getting them to understand the, 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 the exposures? Is it because leadership hasn't necessarily addressed this internally? Is there any one theme that you have um, or does it run across the board? Well, I think one of the biggest problems is that the technical people that handle you know, the, the, the IT, the cybersecurity aspect of things, they're extremely intelligent people, but their communication skills when it comes to speaking to somebody in layman's terms is not always there, there's a there's a disconnect there. So you have somebody who has no knowledge at all of what this very smart person is saying and the jargon that gets thrown around and everything. 
throws them off. And as soon as we, we don't understand something, our brains just shut off. It's just, it's just human nature. And that, that's where there's a level of frustration. And it's almost like when the computers came out, right? So you had these computer developers and then you had the people that were gonna use the computers and the developers were like, we have to go talk to these people to show them how to use it. So there had to be a new, like a launch team that had to be put in effect with people that could understand a bit of the technical aspect, but more so how to communicate it to the end users. And that's what we really need to put into place now when it comes to cybersecurity. Sure, sure. So, so, so Dana, as we see, um, you know, threats perhaps start to pick up now, given what's going on from a geopolitical perspective, um, you know, our middle market clients have uh, typically relied on MSSPs or uh, MSPs in the past to kind of provide services. Um, as we continue to expect these attacks to, you know, tick back up, given everything that's going on, what, what should businesses be doing? Who should they be engaging? Who should they trust? Is there a certain vendors or a certain product that you feel comfortable with? I mean, you know, people come to us with kind of blank stares because they don't have the resources. What would be kind of the, you know, the, the rules of the road if there was a silver bullet, if you will? Well, I don't necessarily think that there's a silver bullet, but I do think, you know, starting with the most basic thing when they're talking to their employees is having password policies in place that are pretty strong. And then as far as who they should be talking to on the professional side, they should at least start with their MSP and asking them, you know, where are we right here now? You know, what are you doing? Find out what they are doing, what they aren't doing. And then you can start to have either them look into some additional services that they can they can provide. Or if you say, wow, this just is, we need a whole nother company, then you can go to find a professional um, you know, organization that focuses on that. And as far as them, this is one thing that I tell them too, that, that this is a perfect time for them to shine on LinkedIn or even with Google. Like for example, if you type into Google, what is GCC High, which is Microsoft um, uh, Government Cloud, they, um, an article comes up that an MSSP wrote, right? So that's perfect. And it's the same thing when you go onto LinkedIn and you put these things in. Same thing when you go into um, YouTube and you put these things in. Those people are starting to pop up. And when it starts getting indexed like that, you know, like for example, my YouTube channel, if you go on there and type in CMMC and sort by viewers, view, you know, viewer, number, viewer count or whatever it is, mine start coming up. There may be two or three that are ahead of mine. And then I have about 75 videos that are right underneath there. And I'm doing this because I'm trying to build this library over the next three to five years, like I mentioned. So that way, when you know a government aid, a government contractor gets something in their contract that says, hey, by the way, you have to abide by CMMC, and they say, oof, what's that? And they go to Google or YouTube and they start typing in specific aspects of what is this with CMMC, my videos are gonna come up. Sure. So this is that's what I keep telling everybody right now is that as much as you think, oh, it's kind of hard to get clients and all that, they are going to be flocking flocking for help over the next few years. So Dana, um, for the, the listeners on today's call or podcast rather, how can they reach you? What's the best way to contact you? Well, you can always find me over on LinkedIn uh, or you could send me an email, which I have. It's Dana at 123cmmc.com and I can get back to you then. Perfect. So before I let you go, I mean, we've covered uh, a host of uh, uh, open items and kind of best practices, how to market, perhaps some uh, tips and tricks. Is there anything that you'd like to kind of share before we let you go? Uh, something I should have asked you that perhaps I didn't. Oh, everybody change your password. <laughs> and <laughs> at least make sure to, you know, you can go onto that website, you know, have I been pwned and see if your email or your passwords or your, and your employees, if their emails and their passwords have been exposed, chances are they probably have. And, you know, you really need to maybe even just start with fresh email addresses and and new passwords or 
you know, if you've had them for say 15, 20 years, depending on long, how long your you know, employees have had the same email address, I would say that's something. And then make sure everybody has different passwords for different accounts. Well, Dana, thanks for your time today and coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me.